the late 1800s, a woman lost her daughter to a sudden passing. Several weeks after the tragic event, her deceased daughter appeared in a dream and told her mother that she had been murdered. This account marks the only documented case of a testimony involving a ghost in the United States Court of Law. Let's discuss the case of the Greenbrier Ghost. This is Red Web. Ooh, Task Force, it is the middle of the spooky season here in the heart of October, my favorite month of all time. And I am your resident mystery enthusiast to indulge in a ghost story perfect for the season, Trevor Collins. And joining me, hearing this story for the very first time, Alfredo Diaz. I said boo. Oh, oh. You scared me a little bit. Just I had to give it to bit. you. Just a little bit. <laughs> I said, I, that, I said that would, That'd be me. I'd be a chill ghost. Ooh, what's up? <laughs> you know I mean? They're coming in trying to investigate in all these traditional manners, and yeah. they're like, let's see, turn this light on and off. And you said, I turned on the oven, preheat. <laughs> You're like, weird. Go trying on, to make help yourself you something. I swept the floor. <laughs> weird, okay. Make yourself something. So this, uh, this sounds wild. So I guess it's, okay, yeah, the, I, I guess, first and only time in the U.S.? Supposedly, this is the first and only time, at least in the United States Court of Law, right. that someone used the story of a spirit, an apparition, to make their case in their testimonial. Okay, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Y- you can't open that floodgate, really. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, everyone's like, I'm right. talking to this person, talking to that person. And how do you really, there's no, there's no tangible evidence. Right. There. There's no proof there. What are you like, what are you going to show people? You know right. what I mean? That isn't. Yeah, up for debate, heavily up for debate. Right. I see the judge sitting up there going, listen, we have no witnesses to this case. It's going to be very difficult to solve. And the person who's like trying to beg innocence, they're going, no, 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 wait, I got a ghost here. He says I didn't do it. Right. Or the flip side, imagine if you didn't do anything and enough people get locked away uh, because they're just wrongly accused. Imagine getting locked away. You didn't do anything, and it's because a ghost told somebody. Yeah, making a murder season three, ghost on trial. Come on, man. Yeah, I don't know. That's a dangerous precedent to set. Yeah, I just think you just can't open that floodgate, right? For sure. Especially if it's like, I don't know. Look, some crazy things happened during our ghost hunt for the spooky season. Every October, it's next week. We do an on-site location. Ghost hunt. Mm-hmm. We do an on-site episode, and some weird things happen, man. <laughs> I'm so glad that you got you got riddled with tangible evidence. Third time's the charm. <laughs> I'll be honest. Was definite. I'll be honest. Task force. Uh-huh. This is this is a hundred percent like truth here. It was. I was half a step away from <laughs> leaving that ship and leaving the show. No joke. It, I, like if one more, if it escalated one more notch, I'm. That's it. I packed my bags. Goodbye, <laughs> Task Force HQ. I, I got. You know what I mean. That's all it takes. It's just the one time where uh, even this, I was like, ah, I'm pushing it. Yeah. But um, you know, you'll see that next week. You were living dangerously. You were indulging in one of the methods that we use to try to engage with any spirits that might be around. But I'll leave that to next week. That's when the Halloween special comes out. We got it in two parts. Obviously, the podcast, and there is a video to it as well, portion that discusses the history of the location. And then the second piece, which is the standalone ghost hunt itself. But without further ado, I want to remind everybody that the sensitive topics that we're going to discuss today are in the description. And with that said, let's dive into 
the history of this story and then unfold it into the trial and investigation that came after these nightly visions, these dreams, came to pass. In early October 1896, Edward, a.k.a. Trout Shoe, moved from Pocahontas County to Livesay's Mill, a small town outside of Lewisburg, West Virginia. He moved there in order to work for a blacksmith. Soon thereafter, he met 23-year-old Elva Zona Heaster, and they were married a few weeks later on October 23rd. That's a very quick. Few weeks? Yeah, dude. Gets in town, gets his job with the blacksmith, bang. Meets a lady, boom, married. I can't imagine getting married in two weeks. I can't imagine getting a job in a week. Yeah. And that economy? Maybe. Late 1800s? I don't know. I mean, this is, you know, especially way back when people married young. Yeah. And it was like, that was a thing. Marry young, settle mm-hmm. down, have kids, own some land. Absolutely. That's, you know, boom, you've done it all. Yeah. Now, this particular marriage was against the wishes of Zona's mother, Mary Jane Heaster. We're going to refer to her as Heaster moving forward and Zona as Zona. But we don't know the exact details of why she disapproved, but it is assumed by some that It may have been due to the age gap between Zona and Trout, 23 and 37 respectively. Pretty healthy jump there. And Trout had been married at least twice before, though we don't know if Heaster knew this at the time. We'll dive into that kind of a little later in the episode. So the two of them, like I said, married, and they moved into a home once owned by the town's founder near where Trout worked. In January 1897, so just a few months later, Zona fell ill, and Dr. J.M. Knapp treated her for, quote, female trouble. Within a few weeks, she was feeling a little bit better. But this will come back around, perhaps. Female trouble is, is just like monthly? That's what I was curious about. Like, I... it's, it's kind of like that's what it's documented as, but it, they didn't really expand on it. Yeah, no details on what exactly that meant, unfortunately. Mm, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so then later that month on January 23rd, Trout was working and visited 11-year-old Anderson Jones to ask him to do some errands for him. He's like, hey, would you be able to come help me out? Jones's mother actually told Trout that Anderson was busy, yet Trout returned back to the home four more times that day to ask for her son's help. Around 1 p.m., Jones was finally able to help Trout out. He was finally available. And Trout then asked him to fetch some eggs from his house. So Jones then trots over to Trout's house, opens the door, goes in, and that's when he saw, actually, before he goes in, he sees a trail of blood outside, starts to get a little wary, then goes inside. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Why? 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 If you see a trail of blood, what's your move? I'm running as fast as I can down the block. You don't want to investigate? Hell no. Hook I'm going yeah, I'm I'm to get framed for something. That's true, actually. You know what I mean? That, that, that's, I'm going to have is... a whole fugitive situation. You're right. I'm running from the marshal, Tommy Lee Jones, and mm-hmm. he's, I was like, I didn't murder my wife. And he's like, I don't care. Which apparently was improv. Ooh. But no, man. No. Yeah. Not that's happening. fair. I would have uh, gathered an adult and gestured. I, oh, yeah. I mean, I would right. have contacted like the setup. authorities. But also, like, you walk in. Mm-hmm. Someone is, like, still alive, struggling to take, like, a knife out. Mm. What you, now you're now it's even messier. Right. You, are you not going to help? Right? That's a good point. You're more inclined to help, but then you're going to get your fingerprints on the on the weapon. Sure. Fingerprints ain't in the picture yet. That's true. It's but, not there. But still, it, it, you know, someone walk in. Knife wielder could still be in, in play here. Yeah. You don't know yeah. what's on the other side of this door. The, the, the killer could be in play. If it's like a that's kind of situation, 
Uh, who knows? Maybe Sheriff walks in while you're trying to like help him with the knife. All of a sudden, boom, you did it. Especially back then, no DNA evidence, no fingerprints. I saw what I saw. That's how yep. it is. It, it was all uh, anecdotal. All every what everyone saw, he said, she said. Now here's the thing. I want to flag that Trout was adamant about sending this 11-year-old boy back to his house just to grab some eggs. I'm like, listen, Trout, by the time that you kept asking for this kid to help, you could have gone and done it. So this feels like a setup. So he approaches the house. He sees the trail of blood. He goes in, and that's when he found Zona collapsed at the bottom of the stairs. Jones then ran from the house in order to tell his mother that Zona was dead, after which he then went and found Trout to let him know that his wife had died. Trout was distraught, and when Dr. Knapp arrived, he had already moved Zona to their bed and changed her into her burial clothes. So just to be clear, that was Dr. Knapp or Trout, Christian, that moved Zona up to the bed and changed her. It was Trout who had moved her. Mm-hmm. Another red flag. So, I mean, like, one, okay, selling this kid repeatedly. I'm like, damn, what do you need this kid for? I guess, you know, some kind of alibi or something. And then on top of that, it's like, okay, you're messing with evidence, right? You're moving your wife's body. But she was found at the bottom of the stairs, but there was blood outside leading in. Correct. That's weird. It is weird. It is very weird. And like I said, moved to the bed, changed into her burial clothes. And this is when Dr. Knapp examined her body. All the while, Trout was crying, kind of holding, cradling Zona's head while the doctor was investigating the body. Again, mm. I'm just going to flag this moment. It's all going to come back around. I mean, you could just try to, I don't know, maybe the uh, the way she was murdered was, uh, I don't know, a blunt force object to the head or something like that. Mm. And all of a sudden he's like, like holding her head. And Trying to obscure anything? Yeah. Yeah. So the doctor, of course, pronounced her dead with the documented cause of death being, quote, everlasting faint, end quote, a.k.a. a heart attack. For unknown reasons, the cause of death was then later changed to complication from pregnancy. It's also been said that it was documented as childbirth, though no one else was aware of Zona ever being pregnant, and it's unknown if her previous illness that we talked about was related to this moment or to pregnancy in general. Remember, it was just female trouble. So... Very vague documentation leaving some holes in this mystery. She was then buried soon in her family's cemetery on the other side of Sewell Mountain with her favorite scarf around her neck. Then, only a few weeks after Zona was buried, her mother had a vision of Zona at night. In fact, this went on for four nights in a row where Zona was said to have visited her mother as a full-bodied apparition. First, she saw her daughter looking into the room wearing the dress that she died in and she was trying to speak. On the second night, the apparition that Heaster believed to be Sona's ghost said that she would explain what happened. And then, on the next two visits, Zona's ghost returned and told the story of her death. Heaster claimed that Zona told her that she was murdered by her husband, Trout. Specifically, the spirit told Heaster that he had strangled her in a fit of rage the night before Jones found her because she had not cooked meat for him. To add more context to this story, it was eventually known that Trout had been abusive throughout the entirety of his short marriage with Heaster. So there is the end of the story before we move into the investigation, the spread of this story, and then the subsequent trial. But up until this point, there's no foul play in theory, right? We just see somebody who's passed away, she's been buried, 
And that would have been the end of that story. That's a lot of visits. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to, like, you kind of think, all right, well, one of these visits talked about how he was abusive. But, I mean, there could have been signs of that already, you know, and also neighborhood gossip. Maybe there were bruises on her neck or her arms previously, or she wore sunglasses because, you know, bruises under the eyes or whatnot. Sure. So that could have been something that was already a seed that was planted. Right. In the minds of people um, that just blossomed during, you know, a night's sleep. So I think that's kind of where my head's at with that. Yeah. That's an awful lot of activity to get from a spectral entity. Oh, yeah. Very vivid, especially with such a detailed story that we will come to realize kind of manifests. Right? Mm. What would you want to be buried with? You're buried with one thing. Like, what's your thing that you're buried with? Oh, man. Just as like a ritualistic thing? Just as a... Uh, I don't know. Like, it's like meaningful? If, if they're just, you know, you're getting older, they're like, oh, you... you Say you're getting older, oh, and yeah, then you yeah. start thinking, okay, well, what are what are my plans? Am I do I want to be cremated? Do I want to be buried? Yeah. And say you're like, okay, I want to be buried or whatever. Sure. You're just kind of like getting ahead of it, right? It's not like oh, I don't, I'm gonna die tomorrow, but more like you know, it's just good to know what the plans are. You know, plan ahead. Right. And if they ask you, what do you? Is there anything you want to be buried with? Is there something you'd be like, I want to be buried with that? All right, hear me out. I conjured this one just now. This isn't <laughs> some sort of strategy or plan I've oh, had. Oh, oh boy. I would go to the black market. <laughs> I what? would buy an asteroid <laughs> as large as a man's fist. I would shave it down and I would <clears throat> engrave in it just various shapes and symbols as if it was some sort of Rosetta Stone situation. <laughs> okay. And then <laughs> I would elaborate. house it. I would uh, fill it in a, in a epoxy resin to make sure that it couldn't be degraded over time. Uh-huh. And then I would want that buried with me in case I was ever exhumed in the far future right. or paved over by some sort of road and then a, a, another civilization when trying to make some sort of remodel and redo the road, they go, oh my God, For there's sure. people here. There's thousands of years later. Oh, what is this? A, a manufactured artifact that they go, this is no earthly stone. And this is no earthly language. And it would just be a mystery for the future. I would want to become mystery. I would want to become that which I love. (laughs) That was great. And I have left my mark. Christian, how about you? I not only do I not have anything, I don't think I can think of anything that could top that. (laughs) Just as Fredo was asking, I was like, just building layers. (laughs) You're you're like a sack of coins. Just what? Just a coin purse. I mean, that's a. How about you, though? That's, that's, that's a mystery. You? You asked me? It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't oh, know, man. Like, maybe something that just completely changes my personality. Right? Okay. Maybe if I just had... Crocs. Is like, <laughs> it would be Crocs like, with socks. I, like, iced out bling around my neck. Ooh. And, like, two gats. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, like, whoa! <laughs> this person died a gangster. And I'm like, I'm no gangster. And you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> what? <laughs> this man's laying, like, tracking yeah. with two... Completely changed my personality. Two golden guns. And then just the like, Alfredo Diaz. Here he be resting. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Just completely could change the personality. I'm like, wow, this guy must have been some kind of old school gangster. <laughs> nah, not at all. I just did a mystery podcast. We, I, I end up it. like a futures mystery. You end up in some sort of museum as a mystery, like Godfather. You know? Like we don't, we don't know yeah. the history of this man, but we think no, he was a king. He was, yeah, he was powerful. You know what I mean? <laughs> he mattered. Just, just some, just other personality that's not me yeah, yeah. okay i was hey. thinking like a comic book that i really like, like right i thought that's gonna <laughs> yeah. do great in the month <laughs> yeah, well. yeah but it's the sentimental value yeah right yeah, but yeah, your yeah. body soup is gonna ruin that <laughs> literally comic book, and then a weeks. picture of the comic book so can see what it was. <laughs> like, that's what this goop was once upon a time <laughs> That's incredible. I like that. When, so, so when they open it up and they see this this soup, they go, "Well, at least we know what it looked like." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> the end. this episode of Red Web is sponsored by Shady Rays. Gear up for the days outside with quality shades built to last. Our friends over at Shady Rays provide premium polarized shades in all kinds of styles. And these are serious quality polarized shades that won't break the bank. Not to mention, if you're a winter sports type, they've got quick swap snow lenses that move effortlessly between full sun to low light environments. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that knows how to make top-notch products. Task Force, I've talked about them before. You know I love them, and I love their polarized shades. But specifically, I rock their blackout model. Fredo, I know you like the black timber model. Big fan. Also, mm-hmm. I mean, look, these things, their their policy on if you lose them or if they get stolen, their replacement policy is great. Oh, yeah. We had a friend, true story. Lost him at the beach. Just over the weekend. Got hit with a wave at the beach. They were gone. Uh-huh. Gone. And Absolutely. He's, he's good. He's covered. What you're talking about is the lost and broken replacements policy. Absolutely. Because no matter what happens, they don't ask you questions. They just say, hey, we got you. Sir. You bought these once before. We're going to replace them. And if you don't totally love your Shady Rays, though it's unlikely that that's going to happen, you can easily exchange them for a different pair or return them for free within 30 days. Task Force, let me tell you, we got an exclusive offer for you. Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for this season. You can go to ShadyRays.com, use code REDWEB, and you're going to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. ShadyRays.com, promo code REDWEB. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Rocket Money. Now that pretty much everything is a subscription service, it's tough to keep track of just how much money you're spending on them every single month. Did you boys know that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they completely forgotten about? Like me, probably. You, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> We're all likely. in the majority, 80%. I definitely have some that I've forgotten about. I've been taking inventory since it is kind of that season. I do that once a year, especially when the football season comes around. I take inventory of my subscriptions. But Task Force, think of all the free trials that you've tried, subscribed to, and then never canceled. Enter Rocket Money. It's the ultimate personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. No more long hold calls or annoying customer service emails. Just press a button and Rocket Money handles the rest. Fredo, I know you use Rocket Money. Tell I me do. about it. Two instances. Mm-hmm. One, a month ago, it reminded me that I had a subscription for a reading service that I don't use anymore. Easily got that canceled. And they did it for you. Yes, which is great. I didn't have to do anything. I just hit the button, and then I would go, okay, they'll take care of it. Two, there's a streaming service whose yearly cost is going to double in, like, the coming... Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Ooh. And so they will look. I saw it, but not everyone's gonna see it. Right. Right. You guys aren't gonna know. It's gonna get you guys are gonna hit with double the fees. But they will let me know. And when it does happen, I can go ahead and cancel it with just a quick easy. That's awesome. Button. I love how easy they make it. I need it. I need that in my life. Well, Christian, you can stop wasting your money on things that you don't use and cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way. Go to rocketmoney.com slash redweb. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash redweb. Christian, write this one down. Rocketmoney.com slash redweb. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Caldera Lab. Men's skincare and Caldera Lab are the perfect pair for you to look and feel your best. It's also super easy to add to your morning and nightly routine. Join the other 100,000 men who trust Caldera Lab to show your best first impression this fall. Caldera Labs creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. The regimen includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. One minute, morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. I have all three products right here in front of me, and I'm so excited to use these because, let me tell you, Task Force, you don't know this about me, but I take my skincare seriously. Fredo, I know you use some moisturizer. You want to borrow some of my clean slate, my good, and my base layer? Oh, I would love to. I mean, look. We can say it. We can say it. We're in our 30s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I'm 30. I'm 34. And uh, let me tell you, that sun will, will age your skin. And oh, yeah. so it's really, really important to moisturize. And just for you task force members and Fredo, if you'd like, we have an exclusive deal and you're not going to beat this offer. Use code REDWEB at calderalab.com and you're going to get 20% off right now. Get 20% off with code REDWEB at calderalab.com and make an unforgettable first impression or create the best gift this holiday season. 20% off at calderalab.com with code Red Web. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Did you know that there's a way to give back by simply playing games, Fredo? I know no. you love games. I play games every day. All right. Well, let me tell you about it. The children in your community need your support. Children's hospitals rely on donations to serve their communities and the kids they treat. We believe that when you change kids' health, you unlock a world of possibilities for their future. Play the games you love while raising critical funds for kids treated at member hospitals of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. Extra Life is proud to have grown into a successful, community-driven cause gaming program, having raised more than $100 million in the last 15 years. That is absolutely amazing. That's wild. I love that. By joining Extra Life, you are becoming a change maker for children's health. Be a hero for kids in your community. Fredo, we have done this with our company, Rooster Teeth, every single year. We do sometimes a 24-hour, sometimes a 12-hour live stream in November. Yes, we do. Raising money for Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And this year, Red Web will be doing a spooky time, like kind of scary story engagement with the audience where you can kind of jump scare us a little bit to yeah. raise money for this network of hospitals. Yeah, and it's make, always an absolute treat. my heart rate shoot up. Oh, yeah. Ooh, every dollar we raise, the children. <laughs> every dollar we raise raises your heart rate. And every every single year, it's an absolute treat. It, they are so yeah. wonderful to work with, and the money truly does go to a great cause, and it goes it straight to the kids. So, task force, please, please do sign up for Extra Life today to play games to change kids' health. I love that they combine our love, but also the world's love of gaming and supporting children. All right. Now, coming back to Heaster, Mary Jane Heaster, the mother of Zona, she went through four nights of these very vivid apparitions. The story came to her, 
And it's hard to decipher if some of this was in a dream or a woken moment. It's a little bit of both. It's kind of like a Christmas carol sort of situation. But either way, rumors of Heaster's vision spread quickly, reaching the local attorney, John A. Preston, who at the beginning of all of this did not believe the story at first. Very difficult for many. But it wasn't until after John Heaster, her brother-in-law, pushed her to discuss her visions with Preston that he began to believe the story. So Preston then said, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. You've sparked some intrigue in me. I'm going to start asking some questions. And he asked for names of people who might know more about this case or Trout in particular. And after speaking around the town, it seems he uncovered quite a bit of information that it seems, you know, like there's piecemeal information throughout the yeah. town about Trout. But when all put together, it really starts to paint a very vivid story of who this man may have truly been. And we're going to talk about that. Mm. So it turns out, and man, gossip must have been the currency. So it turns out that apparently before arriving in Livesay's mill, Trout had two previous wives. Reportedly, both of his previous wives had died suspiciously. It is said that the first one fell from a haystack and broke her neck. The second wife was said to have died from a brick striking her on the head while she was helping Trout repair a chimney. Though there are some kind of different stories around that one. It's also been claimed that she fell through ice on a frozen lake. Either way, not a great track record so far. I mean, come on, man. You're telling me you got three wives or three ex-wives mm-hmm. that died in these random ways? Like, dude, you were just like, how many times are you trying to get away with this? Right. You got away with it twice. That's That's the wild thing, right? Like, Sometimes there will be like murderers where they've committed the crime, big old sin of murder, and they could just walked away and been be, done with be it, be done with it, yeah, gone away with it. But it's the people that get caught is because they keep doing it again and again, absolutely, and, again. and that's just terrifying to me. It's like to put my like, I'm just not that person, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And to put my head in that situation, if I was to take a life. Like, and I was, uh, you know what I mean? To, to be a murderer, I, man, I'd be freaking out every moment, every second. Hyper paranoid. Hyper paranoid. Uh-huh. I would always be looking up down my back. I'd look at every door thinking the cops were going to bust that down and like take me to jail. Like I, I couldn't. I, I thought I didn't pay a bill, a medical bill. And I was overlooking my shoulder. I yeah. can't imagine doing a, the peak crime right. and thinking I'm clean. Yeah. But let me ask it's you this. It's just a different mindset. It's a totally different mindset. Those are people that are just wired differently. Right. And not a great way. Oh, yeah. Now, let me ask you this. What if it was like, and because like I have heard this in certain situations, Christian Alfredo, that it's kind of like chasing a high. Again, these are, with the understanding that some of these people are just wired differently, whatever that might be, you know, it takes a certain caliber of a person to harm or kill another individual. But like, do you think that is like, they just don't have that reasoning there to kind of talk them away from it, I and so they, they keep don't chasing have that excitement. That kind of like sympathy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's misdirected in some weird, twisted way. Yeah. So when they do take a life, it's a high, mm-hmm. and they continue to kind of like getting it. away from it, or yeah. escaping is maybe the high or something. I, I think like it's a little bit of both, right? I think it's like committing it, the crime is a high, and then from there, it's just like unfortunately with a lot of things, you do it once, it gets easier the more you do it. Repetition, right? right? It's a double-edged sword. You know, people say repetition makes you a master at things. And, you know, that can also 
that I think that also kind of like is applied to terrible things. As sure. Well. So, I mean, there's definitely a level of control that happens in such a violent crime, right? I mean, and that's seen in many countless cases that we've already discussed. So I don't want to dive too much deeper into that. But, but yeah, wild stuff. Now, what's interesting when you start to think about the two previous wives and now Zona, Trout himself was said to have claimed throughout his life that he wanted to have seven wives by the end of his life. What? Yeah. It's a weird thing to uh, think about with the backdrop of three past wives, right? Beyond that, and this again, this is just the slow unfurling of a lot of new information around Trout. He had previously served two years in prison for stealing a horse. He also had changed his name at some point. Previously, it was Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe. Kept the last name, kept the nickname Trout, but changed the, the first two names. Erasmus? Erasmus Stribling. Weird name. Yeah. Neighbors and friends told Preston that Trout had acted strangely during Zona's funeral. So remember, this is where I want to bring back one of those little pins from earlier, when he was cradling her head. Inconsolable, it seemed. However, at the funeral, he was pacing back and forth near the head of her coffin in particular. He was then, like, kind of interacting with the body a little bit. He propped Zona's head up with a towel and then wrapped her head and the neck with the scarf that he was claiming at that time was her favorite. It wasn't, like, some known fact, but he was like, oh, well, I'm doing this because it's her favorite, so I want to lay her to rest with it. So, again, he's interacting with the head and the neck area a little bit. And, and again, heavy foreshadowing for what's to come. I mean, going back to, like, the first wife, it just popped in my mind again. Yeah. It's just, like fell off of a hay bale and snapped their neck. I just, that's so random. You got to get really high up there. What are you doing so high up there on a hay bale? Right. I just, you got to be high enough to then get almost 180 Probably turned. like two stacks, but still, like, why are you getting up on two stacks of hay bales? Yeah. I guess, let me think. Right? Like, I guess you could fall 90 degrees, be horizontal, and then still manage to hit your neck in a way. But I'm just trying to think, to your point, like, you were up high on hay bales. It's already kind of interesting. A unique predicament. Yeah. And then you're falling off. I don't know. It's it's hard to say because it's late 1800s. Life is different. Farm right. life is certainly you part just, of the picture. I don't know. There's games that people played back then because there wasn't phones or tech or anything like that. Yeah. You like needle I mean? in the haystack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, I need you to find my needle. <laughs> I mean, they they had all kinds of just simpler games. And, and and you know, they make stuff up and plus play around the farm. So Hoop and Stick was a classic for Hoopin, Hoopin decades. Stick. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it is you're not you're not wrong. That is a peculiar situation, especially by today's standards. So Preston continued to talk to people. He also interviewed Dr. Knapp, who then said that Trout had prevented him from being able to fully examine the body. Dr. Knapp agreed that he may have been mistaken when he was first examining the body and diagnosing Zona's death. Preston pushed for an investigation on Zona's body, which then led to an exhumation of the body. They dug her, her coffin back up in order to examine the body once more. Dr. Knapp took a look. Among now two other doctors entered the picture. And according to the Greenbrier Independent newspaper, Trout, quote, vigorously complained, end quote, about the exhumation and claimed that, quote, they will not be able to prove I did it, ends quote. Why are you jumping straight to that? It's red flags everywhere. Right. I would be desperately seeking answers. Yeah. I'd be a little upset that, you know, we're bringing the, the body back up because right. I can't imagine the emotional toll in that moment. But I don't think it'd be 
about my guilt. It would be more about, well, I do want to find what happened here, mm -hmm. you know? I just, man, this is why that I could never have superpowers. I'll tell you right now, I'd be a vigilante. I'd walk on over to this guy. If I was like, I had Superman powers, and I'd be like, hey, what's that? I'd grab him by the chest and then just throw him into space. You know what I mean? Or throw him high enough where he comes back down. And then just like, I don't like know. Hancock. Guy, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, look, this guy's clearly bad. What are you going to do about it? Anyways, bye. Your head <laughs> is going up his butt. Yeah. I'm like, damn, man. Like, these people are just clearly bad. Yeah. It's just like, there's a previous, there's like so much previous history. And then on top of that, it's just so many red flags, like current day. It's like, lock this person up. It's the kind of, these are the kind of things where like, there's just, I don't know, man. There's just so much leeway and tolerance that are given to people like this. I just don't understand it. For now, anyway. Yeah, yeah. For, for now. now. But, but I'm yeah. like, I'm like, uh, is, is there someone not on this, like looking at all this and just being like, uh, we got to just talk to this guy. Yeah. It's certainly raising eyebrows. So later on the Pocahontas Times, the local newspaper reported on March 9th, 1897, quote, the discovery was made that the neck was broken and the windpipe mashed. On the throat, there were marks of fingers indicating that she had been choking. The neck was dislocated between the first and second vertebrae. The ligaments were torn and ruptured. Jesus. The windpipe had been crushed at a point in the front of the neck. End quote. So all of these were signs of strangulation. And honestly, by the description of it, a very violent, harsh strangulation. As a result of the rumors and this new evidence, Trout was arrested and brought to trial in June of 1897. Oh, there we go. Took several months still. Yeah, it took a little too long, From man. March reporting it to then June going to trial. Ballsy of this man to also just stay in the same place. Right. And not move. Or Change his name like again. That. Yeah. Yeah. So the trial was held in Greenbrier County, giving Zona's ghost her name, the Greenbrier Ghost. Trout was confident that he would be acquitted. Easter went on the stand as a witness and told her story of Zona's nightly visits. According to the Greenbrier Independent newspaper, she said, quote, She came back and told me that he was mad that she didn't have no meat cooked for supper. But the second night, she told me that her neck was squeezed off at the first joint, and it was just as she told me. Very specific. Yeah. Very accurate. Mm. After a little over an hour of deliberation, the jury found Trout guilty of murder. The Greenbrier Independent reported that their decision was due to the circumstantial evidence and not so much the testimony of the ghost or... Heaster's story of the ghost. Some sources claim that Heaster was asked about her visions of Zona's ghost purely as a way to discredit the claim that Trout had killed her, basically to character assassinate anybody else surrounding right. Zona. Because they'd say, well, if she's seeing a ghost, I mean... Yeah, can you really believe what they're saying? Mm -hmm. But I think, yes, the circumstantial evidence of him kind of throwing a fit, preventing some examination of her neck and head area always kind of whenever she was seen by others or yeah. in public for like the funeral kind of interacting with or obscuring her head and neck area so then when she was exhumed we're like okay well there's the evidence why did you know to hide that bada boom yeah it seems like a clear story i mean the fingerprints with the scarf you know what i mean around the neck everything like it's all clear signs you know what i mean it's like it's like if you have someone that is i don't know Oh, I mean, there was the famous story about the uh, the nurse that killed hundreds of people because they were just like... The uh, what? Yeah, because they were messing with the, um, like the saline bags. Oh. Yeah, they were, they were like poisoning it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And the, like the system that where they took it out was all messed up where he was able to glitch the system. So it wouldn't register the bag as like missing. Uh-huh. You know, when he takes stuff out of hospital, yeah. it like registers everything. It keeps yeah, tallies yeah. so that way, you know. There's like the inventory yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so like he ended up jumping from hospital to hospital. Oh my God. And like, it's just people, were, people were dying and they didn't get them until there were hundreds of people that passed away. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, like, like newborn, like, uh, like new, like new moms, all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, that's terrible. Like people oh, I hate just, all of this. Yeah. And so it's just like, there's a pattern here. Like, like, I don't know. Can we not like look into this like way sooner? Yeah. This yeah. was even a couple months. Like who knows what could have, da- like, what kind of damage he could have done. Sure. You know, but Especially I if mean, he knew the heat was increasing, he could have been, you know, yeah. gone off and done and I, anything. And I, and I understand like, you know, it's a process so that way you don't get it wrong. You know, it's difficult. Sure. But I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like you just kind of get the ball rolling on stuff or it's yeah. like, for this one in particular, it's like both your wives passed away. Now a third one passed away. Someone's got to look into this. Right. <laughs> like, this is a, uh, come on, an odd man. pattern. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be clear, to underscore kind of what you just said, obviously there is a pacing to trials. There's a proper process to doing yeah. it. It's us just sitting here in this moment going, okay, we kind of know what's going on. It's frustrating that it takes slow. For sure. But of course you don't want people caught up in the wrong crime or something that they didn't do. So yes, for anybody who caught that, there is due process and everything, but... Oh, yeah. But for this one, I'm just like, I don't know. Maybe just, like, take him in and ask some questions. Because sure. he now has a third wife that mirac- like, miraculously passed away. Right. And in a similar situation, if you will, to yeah. the first one. Was it actually a broken neck or was there yeah. a strangulation over there? We oh, will oh, never oh, know. Probably bring him in and ask questions. Yeah. You know? So. Wow. All right. With that, there are two kind of theories to this particular one. Of course, you have the angle that this was... A hoax, in a sense. I don't want to disarm the entirety of this story by calling it a hoax as if it was a prank. I think hoax has a lot of connotation to it. But suffice to say that it was a false story, that it was a made-up story. And then the other theory, which is, of course, that this was an accurate story, that the ghost was a, a proper entity. And I will say, unlike many cases that we've talked about, this one does kind of have an answer to it. Oh. Yeah, so let's dive in. While it is an interesting story, the Greenbrier ghost is most likely a story that was made up. We know that Heaster disapproved of Zona and Trout's marriage long before her death. She was already suspicious of Trout and maybe once heard about his past, you know, his demeanor, maybe his previous wives. These are all pieces of information that was in the community and maybe she was privy to some of it. She was convinced at the end of the day that Trout killed Zona, regardless of the story of the Greenbrier ghost or not because of this character that had been created around Trout, this understanding. So in fact, according to Skeptoid, Katie Letcher Lyle, who wrote a book on the murder and the ghost story as well, gained new information that might explain how the Greenbrier ghost came about. This is super fascinating. Okay. So after the publication of the book, The Man Who Wanted Seven Wives, the editor of the Hinton newsleader, Fred Long, informed her that on the same page of the newspaper that Zona's obituary was on, There was a story from Australia about someone who created a ghost story in order to solve a crime. But to reiterate, right next to the obituary is a ghost story about solving a crime. And I'm going to read that. Quote, One of the most famous murder cases in Australia was discovered by the ghost of the murdered man sitting on the rail of a dam, Australian for horse pond, into which its body had been thrown. Numberless people saw it and the crime was duly brought home. Years after, a dying man making his confession said that he invented the ghost. He witnessed the crime, 
but was threatened with death if he divulged it as he wished to. And the only way he saw out of the impasse was to affect to see the ghost where the body would be found. As soon as he started the story, such as the power of nervousness that numerous other people began to see it as well, until its fame reached such dimensions that a search was made and the body found and the murderers brought to justice. So because he was being blackmailed, he said, fine, I'll just say a ghost was there. What? And then that led to intrigue. And so people looked and then and they found the body. They actually found the body mm -hmm. though. Huh. Yeah. So this could be what happened here with Mary Jane Heaster is that she had a very strong inclination. Maybe she wasn't a witness, but she had a strong inclination that Trout did something. Yeah. And so she can't just point fingers because then people might assassinate the character again. And like, then you become, he said, she said, so she said, fine. I'll do what this guy did because it worked. I'll create the story of a ghost that it was my daughter who came to me, made this claim, and that will maybe get people riled up to talk about it, and then we can investigate. It's interesting. Ah, that's very interesting. But hey, it worked. What a, what a, like, what a unique tactic. And, oh, yeah. and it just lined up because this was right next to the obituary. Whoa. I mean, it's just the stage was set. Mm -hmm. And then she just really walked on and then just gave the story. Absolutely. But I mean, both times it worked. Yeah. So basically, I mean, yeah, Heaster noted Trout's strange behavior. She had noted the stories around him and then kind of was inspired by this story. And, and again, it worked out that when they exhumed the body, the evidence was pretty strong and um, the jury found him guilty. I mean, it worked to a great degree because exhuming the body is a lot of work and effort. They don't just do that, you know, right. with nothing. Right. Like, Especially if there's a lot of religious belief around it, you know, that can complicate things further with the emotions of all that. But regardless of it being a hoax or a story or what have you, it's possible that she was inspired not only by the newspaper article, but also by seeing her daughter in her sleep. And then she kind of combined it all. But that leads us to the idea that a spirit did come to her, right. right? Many people still believe that Zona's ghost really did visit her mother. The heightened level of emotions involved in a violent crime like this may have left her spirit angry and seeking justice. And some say that the Greenbrier ghost still roams the cemetery of Seoul United Methodist Church and Cemetery to this day. Though at the time of this story, back in the 1800s, no one else had seen the Greenbrier ghost. People to this day have stories seeing it. So, I don't know. I think this one might mostly be solved. I think it is an interesting way to activate the paranormal, create a story around it, to prevent anybody from having opinions on anyone else. You just kind of create intrigue so people can't help but go, yeah, that does feel kind of right though. Because we all know something about this trout guy. And also you're saying you see your daughter at night. So let's look into this. But otherwise maybe they just wouldn't have believed her and Trout would right. have walked on. Yeah. I Fourth, mean, fifth, sixth, seventh wife. Also, these are older times, right? People are more superstitious. Sure. Oh, yeah. More susceptible to believing these things. There's less, like, technology and history to kind of, like, debunk stuff, too, as well. I don't know. It's just, I just think, you know, kind of just the times. Yeah. Kind of also, like, played a part. You can't really do that nowadays. No. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it, would, it wouldn't fly. Again, it's like, been, okay. what, 130 years almost since this case, and not another ghost story has right. hit anyone's testimonial. It, it, yeah, exactly. So, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I think 
that she saw that story in the next to the obituary and went, I will use this angle. That is such an interesting revelation. What I a, love like, that. What a way that lined up. Yeah. Fred Long kind of figuring out, like being able to look back at a newspaper that old and then going, wait a minute. That story is kind of her story and yep. it's right next to Zona's obituary. That's mind boggling to me. That's awesome. And it both worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Justice was served. Yeah, we like that. We like that. All right, Fredo. Well, it is October, and we've already done it. We're on the other side now, so we can breathe a sigh of relief. But Task Force, buckle up, because next week is our annual Halloween special. We went to the USS Hornet over in San Francisco, California, and uh, by popular demand, we put it to you guys. Should we go to the Conjuring House or should we go to the USS Hornet? Surprisingly, you guys chose the ship. Yeah. The ghost ship. That's cool. That's awesome. I'm so it's happy just we did. It's so much harder to run away from things on a ghost ship. Dude, it as was wild. To a damn house. <laughs> it was Y'all like a great maze. For that. It's, um, a, it's a genuine battleship. Excuse me. Yeah. Aircraft carrier. Yeah, even bigger. Yeah. Aircraft carrier. It was huge. And we barely explored what 30% of it God, I don't think you, we saw even half of the spaces no. that we could have seen oh yeah no, not at all to us. there's just so much there and I task force you need to debunk this right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right I just kept sitting there I'll be honest with you this is exactly what went through my head I went task force is gonna debunk this and everything's <laughs> gonna be okay and I'm gonna feel silly for for you know let my mind run wild mm-hmm. so like you guys did in the previous year, put the time when, you know, when the special video comes out, when the haunt video comes out, get in there in the comments, write down time codes because, and, and with like what you think you saw and if you have an explanation for it, mm-hmm. because I need, make this make sense. <laughs> I don't think you understand. I'm a little rattled still where like, I'm just, I'm banking on the task force to make this make sense. Yeah. Because if everyone else, if the task force just goes, I don't know, man, I can't explain that. <laughs> then like, then we got a problem. All right. Yeah. If task force is like, I can't explain. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like red web team. I don't got nothing for you on this one. Then right. I'm, then I'm, then I'm shook. If the okay? top comment is, listen, not enough fish line in the world to answer. That right. One, yeah. Then woof. Like I need you guys to put your, you know, the buffest minds together yeah. and just explain this to me. Absolutely. And any missing evidence, as always, we're going to do kind of a postmortem where we look back at the comments and see what you guys saw. See if you help us debunk anything or if you saw stuff that we didn't. That's just going to happen. There's countless hours of footage and audio that honestly, it's just very difficult to process every second of all of it. Could you imagine any of those scenes with the, you know, when we were getting some tangible stuff, if there was a, if like task force finds a face. Ooh, yeah. That would be good. Right? Like, oh, I feel like even, even if it's like one of those things, I'm like, I'm just task force. My mind's running wild. They're just, we, we use a tool and it was, I just felt, mm, Mm. And, and so I'm just saying, like, if you see a face and it's like, well, it could be the light reflection. I don't know, man. That that, that face in during those moments, I don't, it, uh, it could be like the dust or like, nah, man. I, mm, I, I don't know. I don't know. Make it make sense, please. Thank you. And then prove it to be accurate. <laughs> we can also task force if any of you know Morse code. 
I'll, I'll leave it at that. Some of the stuff we captured. It's a code about Morse code. <laughs> no, but yeah, if you know Morse code, there's some there stuff that we were something there. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's... we obviously don't know it. Yeah. So keep an eye out. I don't Let know, us know yeah. if there's any translatable messages. That yeah, may, that may come through. Morse from the other side. Okay. But with that said, man, I'm very eager to see that come together. Task Force, I'm very excited to share that with you all. Oh, and before we close out, I do want to say huge shout out to our first members. We've been talking about this a little bit more in the past couple of weeks, but we have a new URL to let you know about it. This is essentially Task Force, our Patreon. It is your number one way to support us, this show, no middlemen whatsoever, for $5.99 a month or $60 a year, redwebpod.com slash sign up. You can become a first member and get this show completely ad-free. Again, while also supporting the show, we also have a point system around our merchandise. Sometimes there's sales, sometimes there's exclusive merch. And eventually, when Case Files comes back in the coming months, we will have bonus episodes of Case Files exclusive for you. And with the coming Halloween special, we might have some deleted scenes that we can also upload available to you as well. Things like that are just ways we want to Thank you for supporting us directly as first members. And the only thing to note is that the 24-hour window, the early window, will be going away because we want to offer some other benefits and also keep our website a little bit more organized. We also have a Discord channel that you can come to and kind of hang out and chat with other task force members exclusively for first members. And uh, Fredo and I will sometimes drop by. If, you, if there's any mystery chatter going on, we might drop by and say hi. But uh, we also have AMAs, I think, on a monthly cadence. Things like that, that we want to, again, continue to give to you guys for your support as first members. Your support is greatly appreciated. As you can tell, we are, we've got a lot going on at Red Web HQ. Construction is happening constantly. So with your support, we get to keep building and demolishing this building. Thank you. But with that said, this has been another episode of Red Web, the Greenbrier Ghost. I gave you a, a nice ghost story, Fredo, but a calming one because it, it resolved injustice and it resolves with answers. Trying to give everybody a little bit of the holiday love <laughs> this, uh, this October. But Fredo, I'm going to see you on that ship next week for ghosts. Make this make sense! <laughs> <laughs>